This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the Weekend Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, sir? Uh, not much. Just, you know, enjoying this vacation time. I've got no real complaints about this right now. Chris, don't jinx it, because the last time you said that, you had to rush back from the Jersey Shore because the Jets made a whole bunch of hires. So by saying that, now you know what's going to happen. They're going to end up trading Jamal Adams or something. Yeah, I just got back from the shore yesterday, so uh, again, so uh, I, I think I'm all right. Yeah, something can happen. <laughs> no jinx can beat you this time because you already came back. So no worries about your vacation being busted up. But we are joined by a very special guest this week. He is the deputy editor of your website, JetsInsider.com, Chris. And as his wife, Stacy says, he is the very big deal sidekick. And, of course, is Alan Schechter, who is also the executive producer of Play Like a Jet. Alan, thanks for hopping on with us, buddy. Happy to do it. Good to be with you guys. So let's hop right into the mailbag here. And we will start with our friend Michael Kecka, gazed and confused. He says, when the Jets finally do win a Super Bowl, then they decide to make a movie about this ragtag bunch. Who do you have casted, aside from the obvious, being Patton Oswalt as Dowell Loggins and John Cena as the very big deal Chris Nimbley? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd have I mean, to... I'll take the compliment, but I, yeah, I don't see that seems that okay. <laughs> I was trying to think about this as I read the question, and this is a tough one, man. Oh, off the top of my head, I don't know who I would cast for these guys. Chris, you have any ideas who you might cast for some of these players on the Jets? Well, we got the Lego uh, fireman uh, for Darnold. We got we got that right away. Mm-hmm. The, the Lego fireman, policeman, whatever you want. Um, yeah, the rest is going to be tough, though. Oh, I got one. I got one. I don't remember his name, but the dude who played Smash on Friday Night Lights could play Le'Veon Bell. Ah, there you go. That yeah, that'll work. Um, that, I have a mental image of somebody I want to say for Gase, but I can't. Uh, the name isn't connecting to him to me. Do you remember the church lady sketch on Saturday Night Live, Chris? Yes. Could it be Satan? Yes. Is that who you were thinking of, Satan? Oh, yeah, that, that's. Dana Carvey might work. Dana Carvey might actually work now that I think about it. I was actually talking about Satan, but sure, Dana Carvey. (laughs) (laughs) Alan, you got any? Not me. The only one I can think of is that wrestling guy you you guys always speak of to play Bam Bam Douglas. That would be a good one if he was still alive, but sure. I have no wrestling knowledge, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You and Chris are a tag team in that regard. You're going to have to go solo on any wrestling questions we get this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If we come up with any throughout the rest of the mailbag, we'll throw them in as we go along. But we'll move on to the next question for now. It comes in from the Jet Ranger. He says, what are some popular fan expectations for this next year that you've heard that you think might be unrealistic? And what is your bold prediction or hot take for the Jets heading into the 2019 season? All right, hot take. I'm going to say that Sam Darnold will make the Pro Bowl. And as far as an unrealistic expectation, I don't know that it's unrealistic that they're going to make the playoffs, 
but I don't think they're going to. So I guess that would be the closest thing. So those would be my answers. That Darnold makes the Pro Bowl, that would be my hot take or bold prediction. And that the Jets will not make the playoffs, even though some people think that they will. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, this is kind of a tricky question uh, or tough one to pin down because I can't really get too hot takey with this team. I still think they're going to be uh, just, you know, uh, competing for a playoff spot, unlikely to actually make the playoffs this year or if they do creep in at the end. So I, I can't go too far one way or the other here. Uh, I, I do like the Dorno to the Pro Bowl thing. That's that's a little bit. Uh, I'll go. I'll go with Robbie Anderson making the Pro Bowl. Um, I'll go with that as my hot take. That I think that, and he'll, I'm talking about legitimate Pro Bowl, not the 27th player selected <laughs> as an alternate to the Pro Bowl. So uh, I'll go with that as my hot take. I'd like to try to do some type of defensive hot take here, but. I'm just so concerned about the cornerback situation and the lack of depth at safety that I just I can't really put anything with confidence there. And I mean, what am I going to say? Tremaine Johnson's not going to live up to his contract. That's not much of a hot take. I'm going to you, you, you see why he's a big deal is because I was going to say oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he's what. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Robbie Anderson. That's why he's the very big deal. Well, you said big deal, and I had to correct you because he's not just (laughs) a big deal. He's a very big deal. My my apologies, boss. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go with the defensive one myself, and I'm going to say that Chakai Polite goes above and beyond and gets from 8 to 12 sacks. That He just wows everybody in camp, and he just becomes a phenomenon that everybody thought would be this first-round draft pick. As far as the unrealistic, as much as I don't want to say it, I think I'm with you, Scott, about the uh, playoffs. I just don't think they're ready. I think they'll fight for a spot, like you said, Chris, but in the end, I just don't think this team is ready to do it. I think we're going to be a 8-8, eight 7-9-ish eight, team in the right track, but not there yet. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Spotty Blackman, the great Kevin Jackson. Kev, one of my favorites, he says, trying to temper expectations, but would a split with New England look likely to put this team in the driver's seat in the division? 
I don't think so. I still think that New England would be in the driver's seat, but I do think that if they split with New England, it would give them a much better chance at making the playoffs than I think and probably Chris and Allen you think as well. I'm expecting two losses to the Patriots because I always naturally expect that. But if they split with the Pats, I think it would go a long way towards them being in the playoff hunt at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a good start, but I don't think that's enough. I don't they'd, I'd say they'd have to sweep the Patriots there. And even that, that'd be pushing it to really win the division. The, the good news here is it's a right around the corner. I don't think it's going to come this year. And maybe not even next year, but within two or two or three years, New England's going to be vulnerable. Uh, like Tom Brady's, his physical ability has slipped. He's probably evens that out by still being so intelligent with what he does. But it it it's coming. The the end of them being this dominant force is coming. I still think they'll be very good as long as Belichick's there. But it it's coming the, the day that you can say, hey. Maybe the Jets actually have a legit chance to win this division. I was going to say, you know what it reminds me of? If they if they split, no, I don't think they're going to be in the driver's seat to win the division by a long shot. But I think it sets up it sets things up long term. It reminds me of I don't know if you guys remember the Days of Thunder movie with the with uh, Tom Cruise, when in the back when, it, when they run in the Daytona 500 and he kind of taps him on the back the the leader on the back with his car and he waves at him and says, "Remember me." He's kind of putting the thought in his mind that they're coming. Hey, he's coming. It's going to kind of set things up if they split to say, okay, here come the Jets. And it's going to set things up for the future. Is it going to do anything this year? No. I don't think they have a prayer to win the division, even if even if they sweep, to be honest. But it's setting a precedent that here they come. They're on the right track. Next question comes in from Alex Varallo. He says, pertaining to the Wings conversation from last mailbag, did you say flats or flaps? If you ask me, drums are always the right choice. Also, have not heard much about Trevon Wesco. How has he looked so far? So the question was whether or not we liked drums or flats better. Chris liked the flats. I like the drums, so we had a little bit of a difference in opinion there. As far as how Wesco has looked in camp, I can't answer that because I haven't been there. So this is a question for the very big deal. Uh, yeah, there's not too much of an answer for there there either. He, you know, there wasn't too much of him uh, jumping out, standing out one way or another. He made a couple plays here and there, but nothing that I can really point at to give you a gauge on where he is in the development process how he'll be able to do, you know, will he be able to handle, like, a starting role in those first couple of weeks with Herndon out. We'll see more of that in training camp. We'll start seeing how often they use him, if he's get how many reps he's getting with the first team, because it's going to be mostly Herndon, and then you'd think that, you know, Tomlinson will probably get some of those uh, heavy set reps there. So we'll have to wait and see. Again, Gase is made a very clear intention to slowly bring these rookies along. He wants to make sure they have the playbook down. He wants them to know everything mentally first before he really sends them out and starts doing stuff physically. But again, he said that once training camp comes, he's going to ratchet it all up for all those players. So I'll be able to get a much better look then. And, you know, that's just a little under a month away. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is a pretty interesting question from Jim D. He says, will the Jets cornerbacks be a bigger disaster than the Mets bullpen this year? I got to say, I would say that the Mets bullpen will be a bigger disaster, and it's only because at this point I can't imagine anything being a bigger disaster than the Mets bullpen. I think the Jets corners are going to have a very rough season, but... I do think that there's hope for Tremaine Johnson to at least be passable. That's all it would take for the Jets cornerbacks to be light years above what the Mets bullpen has done this year. It seems like just about every day they're blowing a game. Yeah, I can't speak too much on the Mets and the bullpen. I have not been paying very much attention at all to baseball. And the stuff that I've heard about the Mets lately has to do with a pitcher trying to fight somebody and a manager going there. Uh, but I'll probably I'll go ahead and say, based on the attention that's getting, what you just said, that the Mets bullpen is a bigger disaster, and I don't think they have anything like uh, the Jets' front at least to bail them out and make the their job a little easier. That might be what the Jets' secondary or their corners can really bank on: is that hey, at least maybe we can get some more pressure, and make my job easier. Very true. That is one thing that you can get in football that you won't get in baseball. The pitcher on the mound is the pitcher on the mound, and what he does is what he does. But in football, if somebody up front can make a play, it can make the defensive back's job a lot easier, won't have to make as many plays, will have easier plays because the quarterback will be rushed into decisions. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Alan, you're both a huge Mets and Jets fan, so you probably are the most qualified of the three of us to answer this question. What do you think? I think the Mets bullpen is horrible. And it's going to be far worse than the Jets cornerback ever could possibly be. And I don't think that's ever going to change for the Mets, unfortunately. At least we've got people in place that do things the correct way in the Jets. So we know it's going to get better. But the Mets now, if you, maybe maybe Scott, you noticed that Brody Von Wagner was calling, apparently was making in-game decisions and sending him down to the dugout that were being used in the home games. So there's never any hope for this team. So the bullpen stinks. They all stink. And the Jets will be better even if they're really bad. Reminiscent of what Al Davis apparently used to do when he would call down to the sidelines and order the team to throw the ball. So that's what you got now with the New York Mets. What an absolute disaster of a franchise. And it's funny because in a market where James Dolan owns a team, the worst owner is actually somebody other than him. It doesn't seem like that could be possible, but it is. And I will also say this, for as much as Jets fans like to say nasty things about Christopher Johnson and Woody Johnson, nowhere near the league of Dolan or especially the Wilpons. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Christopher Johnson is like Mother Teresa compared to, to these two, those are two clowns. <laughs> Wouldn't worry about Mother Teresa, but I would say that he's whoever the greatest owner of all time is compared to those guys. Their names, they're an owner that is it's called anybody but Wilpon or anybody <laughs> but Dolan. Next question also comes in from Jim D. He says, which current Mac draft picks are still on the roster but could be in danger of being cut before the season? Off the top of my head, 
The one that I can think of is Sharon Peak. I don't know how many guys that Mac drafted that are still on the roster were bubble players anyway. Chris, you got anything on this? I got I got a couple. Uh, one of these running backs, Elijah McGuire, Trent, Trent Cannon. Mm, yeah, true. Um, we got uh, probably somewhere in the cornerback, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy Clark uh, or Derek Jones. I, I don't think that Derek Jones would be cut, especially if they don't, you know, add a couple more players. But Jeremy Clark could possibly be there. And then maybe uh, uh, Folo Fatukasi, uh, maybe maybe him there either too. The, the if if I need to pick one to bet money on, it's gonna it's gonna be Trenton Cannon though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I forgot about Trenton Cannon, and that actually would be right up there as well. What do you think, Alan? I agree with all that. I think he, I think another one too. I would add in there if he doesn't shape up quickly would be uh, Shepard, Nathan Shepard. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. It's a little high, but I could see it happening. Just right. new, new uh, management in here. They got a lot of depth at that position right now, so they could maybe need the roster spot for somewhere else to address another weakness. I'd be surprised if Shepard is cut, but I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think yeah. it's going to happen, but I think it's possible. And I think if he doesn't do more this season, he's almost certainly going to be cut before the 2020 season. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Jets Joe 73 He says, what five current or past Jets would you pick to start a team with in their prime, of course? So I'm going to do this the easy way. I'm going to start with the three Hall of Famers, Kevin Mawai, Curtis Martin, and Joe Namath on offense. And then on defense, I'm going to take Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko. What do you think, Chris? All right. Um, I'm going to take Revis. I'm going to take Gastineau. I'm gonna take uh, Mawai. I'm going. I'm, and then this includes current, right? You said yes. Yeah, I got. I got to I'm gonna take Le'Veon Bell because I, just because over Curtis Martin, just because of his ability as a receiver in today's NFL, you need that. And then I'm. I got to take the quarterback, and I'm. I'm saying that he's the best quarterback they've had already. I'm, I feel comfortable saying he will end his career that way. I'm going with Sam Darnold. I should also note that there is another Hall of Famer that I didn't pick, and that was Don Maynard, and that's only because I just didn't feel right about picking four guys on offense and only one on defense. So had to go with Klecko and Darrell Revis there, but Maynard would have been the next guy on my list. What do you think, Alan? Uh, let's see. Got to go with Darrell on the defensive side. Uh, debating between the two guys you mentioned, I think I'm going to side with Klecko because of the versatility. On offense, I'm going to take Curtis to be the running back. And quarterback, only because I was thinking about Sam, but since he hasn't done it quite long enough yet, and the, the longtime pessimist in me wants to see more first, I'm going to pick one that we liked, uh, Scott. I'm going to take Kenny O'Brien. Okay. With that gun of an arm that could, that gun of an arm would do well in this day and age, I think. And third guy. I think I'm going to throw it to Maynard. There we go. A nice mixture there from the three of us, but you can't go wrong 
with any of those players, certainly. Next question comes in from Brian. He says, it's hard to critique the Jets front office additions, but who ended up in the Jets director of pro personnel position? I know it was supposed to be champ, but never heard of who ended up filling that position. I believe Chad Alexander is actually the director of player personnel as far as who's handling pro personnel specifically. That's part of what Chris is going to be looking into. But Chad Alexander comes over after 20 years with the Baltimore Ravens, very well respected, somebody that is liked a lot in league circles and who has a very close relationship with Joe Douglas. You heard all about that if you listened to the podcast earlier this week that I did with Michael Telford from the Russell Street Report. He talked all about the days that Joe Douglas and Chad Alexander spent together and gave us some insight into what Chad Alexander did with the Ravens. So that is the answer to that. I really like Champ Kelly. I was hoping he would come in here, but I guess the combination of Chad Alexander and also Rex Hogan kind of nicks the idea of bringing Champ Kelly in here. Yeah, and I forgot about the guys that uh, Douglas promoted as well. Uh, Douglas promoted Greg Nejma. Uh, to director of pro personnel. So he's the guy who will be handling the pro personnel under um, under Alexander. And then uh, Dan Zabrowski was promoted director of personnel operations. And then Kevin Murphy was promoted assistant director of pro scouting. So right there we have uh, those guys, you know, on more pro, pro personnel side. I haven't really announced anything with the the college specifically yet there, but uh, those so Greg Nejma is the guy that's who's the director of pro personnel. He was promoted from being a college scout with the Jets. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Michael Parsons, or shall we call him the Michael Parsons Project? He says, looking at safety depth, do you think it's worth looking at Eric Berry? Big names still out there. I guess it really depends on what he has left in the tank, and that's more of a question for what Greg Williams thinks he could do with him. I would think that if he hasn't been signed by now, there's probably a good reason because we all know how good Eric Berry was. Maybe he's just not up to the task health-wise. But again, if the Jets want to kick the tires and see if he has anything and Greg Williams thinks that he could provide something to them depth-wise, I wouldn't be against it. But again, there are a lot of questions to be answered there. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Eric Berry fan from when he when he was good. He is not that same guy anymore. Uh, you know, his story was awesome and amazing to go through what he went through, come back from cancer and come back to the league. But then he had all those in, other injuries on top of it. And you know, I the Chiefs have been a super fun team to watch these last couple of years. I've watched it. I've seen Eric Berry. He is not Eric Berry anymore out there on that football field and. He can't stay healthy on top of that. Uh, there's there's really no need to waste anyone's time with that as much as I love and root for Eric Berry. Same same all across the board. I mean, it doesn't hurt to kick the tires to look at some film, but you know what? Like you said, if he's going to sit out there on the vine this long, it's probably a reason. Next question comes in from Peter Dillard. This is really more of a soliloquy than a question. <laughs> It's really a collection of questions, but yep. that's what Peter does, and we love him for it. So here's what Peter says. He says, gentlemen, my obsession with the offensive line continues. Big surprise, Peter. We know how much you love to talk about the offensive line. What kind of year can we expect from Jonathan Harrison? What are the chances at the end of the year Jet fans are happy with him at center? Also, do you think that the Jets should extend Leonard Williams or not? 
Thanks, you guys are the best. Oh, also, you know I'm not a fan of Gay Steve Serper. I think he has done nothing as a head coach that makes me excited. But if Joe Douglas brings this team back to respectability and makes them playoff contenders, I think Gase gets a special place in my heart as a Jets fan for getting Mac out of here. Would you guys agree with that statement? So let's start with the offensive line. I think there's a chance Harrison will be okay. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than that. I think that they'll probably look for an upgrade in the offseason unless he plays much better than any of us expect. Leonard Williams, would I extend him? I guess it really depends on how much money he's looking for. I would certainly be willing to open negotiations with his agent and feel him out. If he's looking for more money than I feel comfortable paying him, then I would go into the season. But if I felt like I could get him at a bargain right now and I really believed that he was going to break loose in Greg Williams' defense with Quentin Williams next to him, then maybe I would say act now and try and get him on the cheap. But again, it really kind of depends on what his agent's looking for and what kind of deal they think they could put together. And the last question about Gase, listen, we've been saying this for a while. I'll say this much. I wasn't pleased with the Gase hire. I don't really think much of him as head coach as of now. He has an uphill battle to prove to me and a lot of other people that he learned from his mistakes in Miami and that he could be more than just an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach, but an actual successful head coach who can roll the whole team. Regardless, no matter what happens, if Joe Douglas turns out to be a good general manager, then he did the Jets and the Jets fans a favor by forcing McCagnin out. So it's kind of a double-edged sword here, but I think... Gase has a chance to prove a bunch of us wrong and become a good head coach. But even if he doesn't, if Douglas becomes a good general manager, then at least he will have contributed that much. Yeah, I'll go in reverse order here. If Let's just say, hypothetically, Joe Douglas is every bit as good as everybody, you know, people expect him to be. All the rave reviews he's gotten, how uh, smart he is. Let's say he's every bit that good. And then... the. Two or three years, the, the Jets aren't that great. They end up firing Adam Gase, and someone else comes in and takes over, and the Jets do really well. You're still going to have a special – Gase is still going to have a special heart, place in your heart for driving McCagnin out of here. So the, that there, you can absolutely hold on to that. Obviously, I, I'm skeptical about Gase's ability as a head coach too. Uh, but if, if he does that and Joe Douglas turns into what uh, everybody's hoping he will be, then yeah, he he can have that place in your heart. That makes all the sense in the world. And now, if he, we went through all this and Joe Douglas isn't much better than McCagnin or Idzik, then yeah, that's going to be a whole lot of noise and mess for nothing. Uh, with Leonard Williams, it de- like you said, it depends on the contract. I would absolutely look into it. Uh, again, I know how much I've, I've talked about this before in the podcast. I know how much Leonard Williams loves this area. He loves living around here, how much he loves the Jets. He talked about it uh, in OTAs that he's he's going to put more of an emphasis on being comfortable than just trying to seek every last cent, and he's comfortable here. So I do think you could strike a somewhat of a hometown discount deal. How much of a hometown discount deal could I get right now would determine if I'm willing to do that because I'm, I'm not going to be looking to pay him elite money. But if I can get him cheap enough, then I would absolutely look to lock that up now. And then the offensive line with Harrison, I think Harrison will be okay. I I think he'll be solid. Uh, he'll have some inconsistencies, but I think there's like a seventy-five percent, eighty percent chance he'll be solid. With like you know a, a decent chance that he'll be good, but he's he's not. I don't see him being great. 
or anything, but I do think he can be good. A lot of it's going to depend on how everything plays out around him, what type of form Winters gets back to. Is Assembly going to be healthy as as well? Uh, but I think he'll be better than fans are expecting, and that still might not be possibly good enough to where they really need him to be. I'll start with Gase. I was as skeptic, skeptical as everybody else. But with this team, if they figure out how to get it done right, even if they stumbled upon the right situation like Jed Clampett, um, going through things barefooted and blindfolded with their eyes, you know, with their, with their hands tied behind their back, if they made it work, then you know what? Gase will be my guy. Because I just want to see him win no matter what. They, I don't care how at this point. As far as Jonathan Harrison, like it or not, we're stuck with him. I hope he's at the 70, 80% chance Chris is good because I know I'm a bit of a pessimist and think it's less. I just have never liked what I've seen in him. And I see Sam Donald's head rolling onto the sideline after after a hit and it scares me, but I hope I'm wrong that he can just get us through the season with Sam in one piece. As far as Leonard, I would kick the tires on the extension now too, but I might not kick him that hard. I'm, I'm a little less, into signing him before the season, I think. I'd like to see him perform and then maybe pull what they did with Quincy, if they can, and try to sign him during the season if he's showing that Greg is getting him to step up. That's just me. That makes a lot of sense, so let me jump in right there. If if they waited it, it just give him a couple of weeks and then try to do it later in the season, that would make a lot of sense as well. Next question comes in from Michael Pallas. He says, can you see a package where Powell is in the backfield Wesco is in line, and Bell and Herndon are interchangeably used between slot and outside to keep Anunua and Crowder healthy. I think it's possible. I don't think a lot of that is going to be going on. Gase doesn't really like to use two tight end sets, so I don't know that he's going to be having Wesco and Herndon in there very much together. I don't know how often he's going to have Powell and Bell in there together either. I suppose he could pull that one out every once in a while, but I don't think that it's going to be used very much. I, I could see that being used a, a decent amount just on the the sole factor of the lack of depth they have at receiver right now. You know, maybe uh, you'd have to send Herndon out wide just to uh, take, uh, have a rep at receiver right now. If Deontay Burnett doesn't, uh, you know, come along and, and do anything right now, they, this receiving core has really got three people. If they have an injury, somebody has to come out for a play. They might have to send Herndon out wide. They might, if they're going to try to go to a five set, they might have to put, uh, you know, Herndon and Le'Veon Bell on the slots there. So I could see that happening if they don't uh, swing some type of trade or sign a veteran after training camp cuts. Right now, they, they are thin at receiver. They do, those top three are pretty good, but they're very thin there. So I could definitely see them. I don't know how much I'd expect to see them both at the same time there, but I could definitely see Herndon getting flexed out wide a lot. And then I definitely expect Le'Veon to take a, a good amount of snaps from the slot. First thing, if Michael, if you're listening, I like the idea. Very creative. Good job, sir. Um, I think I could see it more. With the, with the wide receiver scenario, splitting Herndon out more than seeing Bell and Powell on the field a lot. Because like you said, a lot of this isn't really in Gase's makeup. But then again, he may have to get creative because of the depth chart issues. But I see it more with trying to save his top three, Quincy, Robbie, and and, and uh, 
about to call him Savion Glover. Um, Jamison Crowder. Um, <laughs> um, to save their health, I could see him doing a little bit more, kind of subbing him into the uh, the eleven the eleven packages he likes to use more than the Bell and Powell. Although Bell and Powell together wouldn't necessarily totally shock me either. And that is going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review over on iTunes if you haven't already. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. But if you could do it for us, we'd really appreciate it because it helps increase our visibility and makes it easier for us to get the great guests that we continue to bring to you on a daily basis here on the show. So if you could go ahead over to iTunes, it would be much appreciated. Go ahead and follow both Alan and Chris on Twitter. You can follow Alan at Alan underscore Schechter, S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Chris could be followed at C Nimbly or at Jets Insider. Read both of their work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.